Well, if you have your Bibles, let's open them up tonight to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 1. I feel stirred tonight to bring God's word to you. How many have been uh, encouraged during the revival with Pastor Sean? Uh, amen. I've been thoroughly stirred and, uh, you know, throughout the whole week, just being in service and being in his presence where God's word was being ministered has stirred me. And so tonight I want to preach a message tonight out of 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're going to read uh, verses 1 through to 11. So if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, just say, hold on. All right, all right. It's at the back. First Peter, if you're not sure, Google it. <laughs> take you to the back, take you to the back. So it's right near Revelation. So if you find Revelations, let's go back from there. Revelations, and then you got, there you go, there you go. Amen. So as everyone's turning there, you know, this whole chapter that we're going to read pretty much sums up the Christian life from getting saved down to maturing in your Christian faith. And when it comes to growing in our Christian faith, it involves a lot of decisions. Whenever you come and you make a decision to grow and you begin to build your life uh, in church and you build your life with your marriage, uh, in your marriage, you know what, there's always going to be coming, there's always going to be times where you've got to make decisions in your Christian faith. There's a story, a farmer hired a man to work for him. He told him his first task would be to paint the barn and, and said, hey, it should take him about three days to complete it. But the hired man uh, was finished in one day. The farmer set him to cut some wood, telling him it would require about four days. The hired man finished in a day and a half. To the farmer's amazement, the next task was to sort out a large pile of potatoes. He was, he was to arrange them into three piles and seed potatoes, food for the pigs and potatoes that were good enough to sell. The farmer said it was a small job and should, shouldn't take so long. At the end of the day, the farmer came back and fi- found the hired man barely started. What's the matter here? The farmer asked. And he said, I, c- I can work hard, but I just can't make decisions. And I was thinking, you know what? Could that be our lives? That we've given a task from our Lord or we've given instructions from God to be involved, to be a disciple and yet we've not done anything in our lives. I mean, Hemi prayed a prayer so specific that I believe is, is prophetic to say, you know what, man, time is of the essence. And what about you tonight? Are you here tonight? Are you willing to lay down your life to say, man, I'm going to serve. I'm going to make a decision to, you know what, come to church, but not just be a spectator, but I'm going to be a participator in God's kingdom. And it comes down to making a decision. So I want to preach a message called, Serious disciples tonight, serious disciples. And our text, let's read together. It says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in this flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live, listen to this, the rest of his life, uh, the rest of his time in the flesh, for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past time in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these things, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might Be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. 
Verse 7, we're going to read down to verse 11. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all, things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, listen to this, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability with which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, tonight, I pray as your word is getting ministered, Lord God, I know that your word shall not return void, but accomplish what it pleases. And I pray tonight that you speak into our hearts, Lord God, and raise up, Lord, serious disciples ready to serve you, ready to glorify you with their lives. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen and amen. So number one, let's talk about being seriously saved. Being seriously saved. In the beginning verses of this text, Peter exhorts the people. He's encouraging them. Exhort means to strongly encourage. It means to urge someone to do something. And so Peter is so passionate. In his verse, he's exhorting them. He's encouraging them. He uses language uh, that is saying in verse 2 that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Being seriously saved is saying, you know what? I no longer want to live for this world. Come on, somebody. I don't want to live according to the lusts and the desires like the friends or like your friends in the world. But it's saying, listen, Paul or Peter is writing and saying, listen, you got to no longer do the will of men, but do the will of God. I mean, referencing back to our revival. Pastor Sean preached the opening night of revival talking about spiritual neverland. Talking about how people, uh, you know what, they come into church and they just never grow up. They come into church and it's just the same person. They walked in and months later, they're still the same. And it's like, what's going on? And the true essence of Christianity is you got to be saved. And it used the language conversion. You got to be born again. Come on, you got to be saved. And tonight, Paul writes in Hebrews 12. Verses 11, and he says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And so we have two people, two apostles, Peter and Paul, exhorting people. Peter is saying, Don't live the rest of your life for your flesh. Don't live the rest of your life on earth doing your own thing. Don't live the rest of your life living in sin. He's saying, Listen, you got to do the will of God. And Paul says, Lay aside every weight. Lay aside the things that are easily capturing you. Let aside every sin that pulls you down, that brings you back in the world. And so here is this picture of someone who's decided to be a serious disciple. That when it comes to the will of God, they say no to the flesh. They say no to the world. And they say, you know what? I'm saved. I've been born again. I no longer want to be in the world. And verse 3 says this, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime. Come on, how many of us tonight have had enough of our sins that we got saved of? And so Peter writes, doing the will of the Gentiles. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles. I mean, who are the Gentiles? I want you to get this. The Gentiles are those who are not Jewish. The word stems from the Hebrew term, 
Goy, which means a nation, and was applied to both the Hebrews and to any other nation. The plural is Goyim, which means the nations. It meant nations of the world that were not Hebrew. And that is why Jesus came to die for you and I, for our sins. He came so that we, the Gentiles, can be saved. And that is why Jesus says in Matthew 29, verse 19, He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He's talking about right there, the Gentiles. Listen, there are people out there that need to be saved. There are people out there that are wasting their lives. There are people out there that are living in sin, separated from God. And Peter writes and says, listen, we're saved. We are the Gentiles that we've come in and get saved. And he's saying, don't live like the Gentiles. Don't live like your past life. He's talking about in, in verse 3, he, he describes it in detail. He says, doing the will of the Gentiles. Get this, verse 3. When we walked in lewdness, I mean, you think about that word. I wonder how many of you use that word, you know, recently, lewdness. What does it mean, lewdness? Well, get this, it, it means this, total debauchery, unashamed indecency, unbridled lust, unrestrained depravity. This person with this characteristic has an insolent defiance of public opinion, sinning in broad daylight with arrogance and contempt this person is like lewdness he's got no shame in what he does and so Peter writes and says listen don't walk according to the will of the Gentiles stop being like the world he's saying man are you a Christian are you really saved are you a real disciple well stop living like the world come on can I preach tonight I mean here it is the planning there's there's no gray there's a song by uh, uh I can't remember his name what's his name Jonathan McReynolds talking about no gray. There's no gray lines when it comes to Christianity. You're saved or you're not saved. And so Peter is saying, listen, there comes a time when you must get saved. Yes, there must come a time when you get saved. But listen, you got to move on with your life and stop living like the world and do the will of God. Now, I've been asking God, you know, to help us through this year. And God's been helping me and begin a minister and you know, God, give us the sermons to preach. And one word that has been stirred on my heart and through my spirit, and that's this maturity. Just throughout this year, and it's also been confirmed just through conversation and just through even confirmed through this revival that God, that through this year is going to bring spiritual maturity in your life. And that is, you know what, that not only do you come in and you get saved and you're a real serious disciple, but you make a decision now to move on and you begin to surrender your heart to God, that you must be saved, you must be born again, and we must continue to preach the gospel, and we must continue to go out and uh, preach to those who are in sin and to give them the gospel. But here it is. Peter writes and says, but live according to the God in the Spirit. He's saying, listen, there's got to be a time in your life that you must move on from lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abom abominable idolatries. Listen, there comes a time you get saved. Are you going to be a serious disciple? When it comes a time, you got to leave that past behind you and start doing the will of God. Be a serious disciple tonight. If you want to grow this year, cut off the things that are holding you back. If you want to grow in your maturity this year, Jesus says, if it causes you to sin, cut it off. 
If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. What are the things that you're looking at that is causing you to sin and, and hint your spiritual growth? Listen, if you're a serious disciple, you got to leave that past behind because I'm telling you, you're not only saved just to go to heaven, you're saved for a purpose. And I get a lot of phone calls and people asking, oh, What's your church like? What's the music like? Is there things for the kids, you know? And what can your church offer? And, and you feel like, man, this is the, the world that, that we live in. That people want to come in and be served, be Christians till they get to heaven. And I want to ask the question, but what can you do for the church? I mean, what can you offer to your community? What can you do where God saved you? God's delivered you to live the life separate from the world. But what are you going to do about it tonight? Are you going to make a decision and use your gift for God? Or are you still going to serve men in the world? Are you still going to, you know what, be, uh, you know what, friends with the world? There comes a time that if you're going to grow this year, you've got to be a serious disciple and stay saved. Amen. And here it is, the verse 7. It begins with this title. If you have your Bible, it talks about serving for God's glory in verse 7. And so secondly, if you're taking note, let's talk about serious seekers. Amen. Seriously saved, let's talk about serious seekers for just a moment. Because in verse 7, listen to the text. But the end of all things is at hand, just like Hemi prayed. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to get serious. Come on, it's time to get serious about being a disciple of Jesus. Come on. Amen. And when it comes to being serious about a disciple, you got to be a serious seeker. And this is talking about having a prayer life. You got to start your day off with prayer. Start your day when you wake up in the morning with prayer. Listen, how are you going to slay your giants when you haven't first turned to the brook called prayer? I mean, there's so many giants out there when you walk out in the morning and yet you're trying to fight the giant and yet you have not even turned to the brook called prayer. Turn to the source, prayer, the water, this wellspring of life that through prayer you experience His presence. That, that through prayer you find where God equips you, where God begins to strengthen you, where God begins to give you downloaded revelation. It's through prayer that God begins to reveal your attitude towards certain people. It's through prayer where God begins to give you a desire to serve. It's through prayer that God begins to mold and shape you and begin to give you direction. Amen. A lifestyle lacking prayer is a lifestyle lacking power. Lifestyle lacking prayer is a lifestyle that lacks power. Listen, if you're going to grow and mature, you must develop this godly discipline called prayer. Oh, but pastor, it's just so hard. <laughs> but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I got to work early. <laughs> I got to come home. I got kids. <laughs> You don't know what I'm going through. <laughs> Why don't you tell it? Why don't you complain? Right? Why did you go and complain to Jesus, the one who prayed and sweat drops of blood? Come on now. <laughs> who are we to complain about prayer when Jesus went farther and he began to fell on his face and begin to pray and sweat became like great drops of blood? Who are we to complain about prayer? How do you think Jesus felt? And he came to his own disciples and he found his own disciples sleeping. Come on now. 
I read that. I was like, man, God, what if you were to look down on our church and on our disciples? Would you find disciples praying or would you find disciples sleeping? May the church never lose the power of prayer. Come on. May the church never lose this power that's found through the source of us connecting with the Heavenly Father through our Savior where this experience of truth, the channel of God's power and God's grace begins to flow through the vessels right there and then who begin to come in and spend time in prayer. No power to pray for the sick because it only comes out by prayer and fasting. There's power in prayer. James 5 verse 16, the latter part of that verse says the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails, avails much. I want to encourage you tonight. Don't be so shameful to pray out loud. Oh, Lord, you just said no, 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 no. Man. Oh, come on, guys, let's pray. Come on, where are, the, where are the men and women who would rise up and say, you know what? Come on, we got to pull down strongholds. We got to pray. The Bible tells us right here and then the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. The New Living Translation says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. It produces wonderful results. The Amplified Version says the heartfelt, the persistent prayer of the righteous man or the believer can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. The reason why I said we got to pray loud because fervent means very hot. Fervent, the examples given is glowing as the fervent sun. I like this, uh, um, this version. It says this, exhibiting or marked by great intensity. I mean, think about that, marked with great intensity. What about your prayer life? Is it marked with great intensity? Will you come in and you begin to say, God, I'm struggling. God, I need a miracle. God, there's financial things in my life. Is your prayers glowing and it begins to get intense? Because I'm telling you, the righteous prayer, the fervent prayer of the righteous man or woman avails much. And it's talking about there is a fire when it comes to a burning prayer life within them. When men and women who are saved, sanctified and spirit filled. Listen, there is great power in your prayers. And so I say this, it's time to get serious with your prayers. I mean, we can hear a great message. Oh man, pastor preached the great message in prayer. But what are you going to do about it? Again, are you going to make a decision in the morning? You're going to get up and pray. You know, make up your mind and say, listen, I need to get up and I'm going to pray. You got to be serious about this. And I know God's dealing with some people tonight, uh, even as I speak, that God's dealing with you to be serious about your prayer life. That if you're going to grow, if you're going to mature this year, you've got to develop this discipline of prayer. And listen, you got to get up early and pray. Come on, none of this 10 o'clock, wake up in the morning. You should be at work, by the way, by then. <laughs> It's, it's like, you know, you get up early and pray and, and so many, uh, even businessmen and women, successful people are those who get up early. How much more should the Christians do this? I mean, I mean, people get up early to go hard, to work and do this and that. But what about the Christian who's given great power and great, uh, you know what, resource from the king, but yet never seek him? How much more should a Christian? You know, Jesus understood his public service was not enough without first 
private prayer. Before Jesus could go out in the public arena, he found his father in private prayer. Jesus would start his day very early in the morning. Listen to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. I mean, think about our Lord and Savior for just a second, because here is Jesus, right? I mean, he goes out, he's healing the sick. He's uh, healing demon-possessed people. He's going throughout towns and cities, and he's performing miracles and miracles. And he even says it. He says, man, he looks out, and he says, man, these people are like uh, sheep without a shepherd. And he's so torn because there's a need that's so, that, you know what, that he can't even complete by just being on the earth. There's so much need to be done. And so Jesus was overworked. Jesus was like, man, ready to uh, just give in. But here it is. He found his power. He's found his resource early in the morning privately. God is calling you and I to seek him early in the morning. No distractions. Seek God first in private prayer. Psalm 63 verse 7, uh, Psalm 63 verse 1, King James Version says this, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirst for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen in the sanctuary. David is saying, he's, he's using passion, last, God, you're my God. I can't get any power anywhere else. God, you're my God. Just as the, this dryness, so my soul longs and thirsts. My soul hungers for more of you, your spirit. Just as we wake up in the morning, I wonder if that's our hearts to say, God, you know what? You're my God. I want to long for more of you, Jesus. I want to long to do your will. God, I long to get in your presence, to seek him early. New life that was given to us. We ought to rise early and give it back to God. I mean, think about this. When Jesus died and he, he was crucified, they took him down on the, off the cross and they placed him in the tomb. On the third day, Jesus rose again from the grave. But could you imagine for a second, Jesus didn't get up. He was sleeping in. On the third day, maybe his father was like, Father God's in heaven saying, Jesus, wake up, Jesus. This is the third day. It's time to wake up. Son, get up now. It's time to get up. No, Jesus didn't sleep in. He rose up early Sunday morning. And the reason I say that is because God's given us new life. God's given us resurrection power. So for us to make the most of every single day, get up and rise early. Live life to the fullest. Seek God where His mercies are new every single day through prayer. Seek God first before you go to work. Seek God first before you get on your phone and you seek your little Instagram uh, followers. Come on, we need to get in His presence every single morning to say, God, my God, my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for you. Matthew 6, 33. A verse that I you know, remember even as an early Christian. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. I mean, there is a multiplication through subtraction. When it comes to the will of God, when you say, God, not my will, I'm going to do your will. God says, listen, all these things shall be added to you. 
when you begin to subtract things from your life to say, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say no to the world. God says, listen, I'll add these things to you because you're seeking me first. The words shall be added. I mean, it's guaranteed. It's given. When God is first, when we're saved in his righteousness, the words shall come and say, shall be added to you. Those things that you're worried about, it shall be added when you seek him. The things that you worried about when you face up, uh, face the things in your workplace, seek God first and all these things shall be added to you. Listen, it's time for you and I to get serious when it comes to our prayer life. And serious disciples begin to get serious when it comes to now not only being saved, but be serious seekers where you now live in dominion. You know what? You start living in dominion in your life. It's time to grow up. It's time to get serious. It's time to live in the freedom of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thirdly, let's close with serious servants. So we've got seriously saved, serious seekers. Let's look at serious servants tonight. Because verse 8 of our text says this, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. But be hospitable to one another without grumbling. I mean, here it is in the Bible. Saved. Seeking God. And then this is this right here. Service to one another. I mean, there's fervent prayer. And then now there's this fervent love for one another this this is this um right here it's talking about this intense prayer but now there's this intense love for one another and it leads to that love will cover a multitude of sins i mean this this is when people choose to love right this is when people choose to let go of grudges and let go of bitterness there's now a spirit of liberality a spirit of freedom because of this fervent love for one another this love has prevented these sins that would take place in a church. When people choose to love one another, serious disciples now begin to serve one another. First John chapter 2, verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. When people are seriously saved, when they become serious seekers of God, the desire is this. They ought to love and serve one another. These are serious disciples because serious disciples have a servant's heart they want to serve verse 9 says this be hospitable to one another without grumbling you know what we ought to look around in this church and, and think you know what man what can i do to serve what can i do to serve in this uh, church you know a servant's heart serves without grumbling the word tells us and we've got some wonderful precious ladies in our church that are so amazing, they've got servants' hearts. Can you say amen tonight? There are some amazing ladies in here that would serve without even being asked. That's a spirit of love that says, you know what? We love one another and we want to serve to be hospitable without grumbling. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Of these amazing ladies that we have, I'm thinking how many men in this place Maybe thought to ask these wonderful ladies and, you know, offer to take the vacuum, offer to take the mop and bucket. To say, hey, no, leave it, I'll, I'll, I'll serve. I mean, we, men, come on, we ought to look at these things and say, man, can I, can I serve? Can I take off the burden to some of these ladies to serve? Because if you want to be a serious disciple, if one day you want to have maybe your own ministry, I mean, you got to think about others. you got to serve. you got to have a heart to serve. i tell you why you don't want to serve. It's because you're a lazy person. 
Woo, come on. You, you know, I'll tell you why people don't want to serve is because they're not a serious disciple. They don't want to serve others. They just come to church. Oh, just sit down. Let everyone do the work. Oh, what, a, what an awesome church. But yet never choose to be a serious disciple and say, listen, I want to love. I want to serve without grumbling. Hemi prayed tonight and it's literally my sermon. You know what it's saying? You know what? Let, let people be uh, servants where they come in and they, they begin to take the vacuum cleaner, begin to vacuum and say, listen, I'll do it. The, the church needs, uh, you know, we, we have an outdoor toilet. That sometimes, you know what, we, we ought to go in before and make sure everything's done and dusted. I wonder if anyone could go there before church opens and say, listen, I'll clean the toilet before church even opens. Come on. I'm talking about these little things that begin to make someone a serious disciple say, man, behind the scenes when it's not a platform, but they're serving because of something that's happened in their heart. God saved them, a serious disciple who now is seeking God, but now being a serious servant to serve others, to serve people. And verse 10 is what I want to touch on tonight. Listen to the verse. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I mean, if God's given you a gift, minister it. I mean, mature growth in this church comes when we just simply aren't going to settle for just coming to church. It grows, the church grows in maturity when people start to now get involved and use, recognize, man, my gift was given to minister it to one another. I mean, this is to one another, to the church. And I like this word, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As the manifold grace of God. If God has given you a gift, you ought to use it. Use it to serve others. The word stewards comes from the word I'll try and pronounce it, oikonomos, O-I-K-O-N-O-M-O-S, oikonomos. And it's where we get the word economy from. Oikos means house, nemos means to arrange. And the word originally referred to the manger or a manager of a household or estate. And then in a broader sense, it's denoted down to an administrator or steward in general. And you find throughout the Bible, even in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, and you find it even in Titus 1, verse 7, it refers to Christian ministers as being stewards of the gospel. But in this text tonight that we're reading, it actually goes down to a deeper level and says it denotes it down to every single Christian in general. That you are a steward with your gift. That God's given you a gift. You have been given this gift to steward it for God's glory. Serious disciples use the gifts entrusted to them by the Lord for the strengthening and encouraging of the fellow brethren, of the fellow believers. I mean, serious disciples want to get involved. They want God to be glorified at the end of the day. And I'm thinking, you know what, as I'm writing this message, God, I'm praying, you know what, you, you raise up serious disciples that not only just want to be, uh, you know what, consumers, but major contributors in his kingdom. But what about you tonight? Are you just a, a, a consumer? You just come to church on time. I mean, I've seen some guys come in just on time when churches start. Come on, guys. Do you want to grow in church? Do you want to grow? Do you want to be a disciple? Come in, get early and pray. Allow God. If you want to be a serious disciple, you got to get in prayer. Be a serious disciple. You got to get in prayer. You got to say, man, I'm, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm not going to live for the world anymore. I'm going to be a serious disciple. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be a serious seeker through prayer. I'm going to serve. 
I'm going to lay down my life for others. Because I am guarantee you this. When you get this revelation to get serious about God and you be a serious disciple, you will grow into spiritual maturity. Amen. You got to make a decision though. Are you going to be a serious disciple? Tonight comes down with your decision. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Very simple message, but I believe one that would help us all to move forward in this congregation. To serve one another. To love one another. I mean, Pastor Sean preached a very, very good message. If you weren't here on spiritual Neverland. Talking about people just come to church. They got a title as a Christian. But that's all. They never changed. They haven't been transformed. And it only comes through conversion. When you lay down your life to be saved for Jesus Christ. I want to ask a question tonight. You're here in this place and you're not saved. Your heart's not right with God. Bible says it's appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. Brother, sister, where will you spend eternity? Where will you spend eternity if you were to die tonight? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall have, shall not perish but have everlasting life. You're here tonight. You know you're not right with God. You know you're living in sin and you wouldn't make heaven your home. Tonight's the night you can get saved and be born again. If that's you, you're not saved, but you want to give your life to Jesus, won't you raise your hand with mine and say, yes, that's me. Pastor, that's me. I'm not saved. I'm not right with God. I want to be born again. I want to be a serious disciple. If that's you, you raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. I'm not saved. I'm not born again, but I want to give my life to Jesus tonight. If that's you, raise your hand with mine and say, yes, that's me. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you once walked with Jesus. You once had a walk with Christ. Come on, it's not about coming to church that will make you a Christian. It's about being born again. We surrender your heart to Jesus Christ and He begins to forgive you of your sins. If that's you, you want your sins forgiven, raise your hand with mine and say, yes, pray for me. I'm not right with God. I'm backslidden. I'm away from God. If that's you, won't you raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Amen. God bless you, sister. I see that hand. Anyone else want to join this honest heart? Say, yes, pray for me. I'm backslidden. I'm not right with God. Join this honest heart. Raise your hand as well and say, yes, that's me. I'm not saved. God bless you. Amen. My sister at the back, you met that? Amen. Won't you come to the front? We'll pray for you right now. Come. Come out of seat. Come. Come. Amen. Come. Deborah, if you can, if you can pray with Jim. Hallelujah. Turning to the church. You're here tonight and God's speaking to you tonight clearly about being a serious disciple. But you know what? Throughout this revival, God's been speaking to you, speaking to you, but you haven't made a decision. Tonight's the night to make a decision to say, you know what? I'm going all in. I'm going to be a serious disciple. I'm going to seriously seek Him. I'm going to seriously serve for God's glory. If God's spoken to you tonight throughout this message, why don't you come out of your seat? Begin to do business with the Lord and say, yep, you got me, Lord. You've spoken to me. I want to be a serious disciple. If that's you, come on, come out of your seat. Make a decision. Pray to God and say, you know what, God, that's me. That's me. Maybe you're living half in, half out with the world. It's time to leave that life behind. It's time to, you know what, live the rest of your life doing the will of God. God wants to use.